Thank you for listening to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. This is Real Sports Talk for the Real Sports Fan. And I definitely appreciate all you Real Sports fans who are listening right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do me a huge favor and leave this podcast a five-star rating. That one, two, three, four, fifth. That five-star rating review will definitely be appreciated. If you're listening on any other platform, that could be Google Podcasts, Podomatic, iHeartRadio, wherever. Please share this podcast from that platform so that your friends and family can see the show, listen to the show, love the show, subscribe, and then share it with their friends and family. I'm trying to get this podcast to the highest levels of podcastivity, and I need your help to get there. It'll be truly, truly appreciate it got a lot to get to in today's episode man a lot to get to we're gonna talk some football talk some boxing talk some basketball but first we gotta start with Josh Giddy if not if you're not familiar with that name Josh Giddy is a player for the Oklahoma City Thunder he's a very good player for the Oklahoma City Thunder now it surfaced on social media that he may have had an inappropriate relationship with a girl who is not of age right and this has taken a lot of turns on social media not just as far as Josh Giddy but the coverage of Josh Giddy by mainstream media platforms a lot of people have attacked people like Stephen A a lot of people have attacked people like Malika Andrews for not going hard enough on Josh Giddy or not going hard enough on the NBA and their handling of the Josh Giddy situation. Now, when it comes to the coverage, we'll start there first. There's a lot we don't know about the situation. We just have the picture, looks like it's on Snapchat originally, that the girl posted with Giddy, and the caption on the picture says, just fuck Josh Giddy, right? And Turns out that this girl's underage. Did they actually smash? We don't know. Where did they meet? There's rumors about that, which I'll get into. But the NBA and the Thunder have decided to let Josh Giddy play while the investigation plays out from both the NBA and it looks like there's a legal investigation as well. And it's hard because we don't truly know if Josh Giddy is guilty of having sex with this girl, if Josh Giddy knew her age. There's a lot into it, right? And because of that, media has to be careful because there's a lot of allegations, nothing truly proven. We just know that they was in the same room, right? That's all we know. All we know is that they was in the same room. She took a picture and put that caption. But it's also been shown that she's lied about her age on social media. It's also been a rumor that they met in a nightclub. Now, I haven't been in the club in a while. You know, my clubbing days are behind me. But from my understanding, it's still a standard that you're supposed to be 21 or up or maybe 18 or up, depending on the type of club. I don't know if they still do the clubs where you have the 18 and 21 section and then 21 and up section. They had those when I was out here in these streets. So with all that going on, the media hasn't really gone hard at this story. 
right? They've reported that it's happening, but they haven't really given their opinions on it because there's so much information that's not known. And people have been really, really critical of Malika Andrews, who wasn't even on air when this first, like, started happening. And then when she did report on it, it was just the facts, just the bones of the story. And people feel like she didn't put the same, I guess, oomph behind her reporting of this as she's done with other athletes and people involved in sports that had to be black, right? I don't think that's fair because the situations are different. Now, I have been critical of Malika Andrews in the past. Now, not to the extent of a Des Bryant. I've never, you know, disrespect her in that type of way, but I was critical of her when Joe Mazzula was named the head coach of the Boston Celtics. And when they talked about it on NBA Today, she's like, oh, Joe Mazzula has been named the head coach of the Boston Celtics. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention these charges that he had 14 years ago that he was not found guilty of. And I just found that weird. Like, why was that necessary? Now, maybe that wasn't her call. Maybe it was a producer's call. Maybe it was even higher than that to make sure you add this into the story. We don't know. But with her being the host of NBA Today, she does have veto power. She should. I'm not there. I don't know. She should have veto power. And like, is that really necessary for me to say that? Because that had nothing to do with him being hired. Nothing. It literally was just an add-in to the story. So you're like, why would you add that in? So now people are going to do research about something that he was not convicted of. And he has to deal with the whispers and the things that come along with something like that. Because you just wanted to make sure that was out there. I thought that was weird and not necessary. But in this situation, her, Stephen A., they can't really say much because there's not much to say yet. Now, when it comes to the NBA, they can say, oh, the NBA is handling this incorrectly. The NBA should sit him until the investigation is done. But from the NBA's perspective, they're like, okay, let's let the justice system play out. Let's let the investigation play out. And it's not fair to sit him and punish him if he's not guilty. And I think that's something that we've forgotten, that it is supposed to be innocent until proven guilty. Now we can get into the innocent or guilty part of it, right? Now, again, we don't know. I'm not saying this man's innocent. Guilty is all allegations. But I saw a clip of Andrew Bogut, Andrew Bogut's former number one overall pick from Australia. Josh Gage from there as well. Andrew Bogut said that the Thunder knew about this more than a year ago. And uh, Josh Giddy said that the girl lied about her age. And I also saw on Gilbert Arenas' podcast that Gilbert Arenas said that they met in a club, in a nightclub. Again, you meet in a nightclub, you're assuming that the people you meet are over 18 or over 21, depending on the club. So if they're at a nightclub, he shouldn't have to ID her because she should have been ID'd to get in the place in the first place. So then it gets tricky. How much did they talk? Was there something there that revealed her age in their conversation? And even that part's tricky because you're thinking about it 
from a grown person's perspective, you're like, something's going to reveal her age at a certain point when you're talking to her, right? I'm 33, so if I'm talking to a teenager, there's going to be something there that shows the age difference. I'm going to make a joke about something or she's going to make a joke about something and there's going to be a disconnect where I don't get what she's saying or she don't get what I'm saying because of the age difference. But he's 20. If they're saying this happened a year ago, he's 20 years old and I don't know the age of the young girl, 15 or 16, they still have all the same things in common. It's not that that long apart. I'm not, again, I'm definitely not trying to give him any bail here. But I'm saying as far as knowing her age, if she lied about it and they're having conversation and they're able to relate to each other, and let's say she's being very careful, she's not mentioning school, she's not mentioning anything that would reveal her age. Because a lot of people are like, lock him up, lock that thug up, because there's a lot of whataboutism going on with this. How can he be playing when John Morant can't play? And people with the John Morant thing are forgetting it wasn't just the two times he was caught waving a, a gun on camera. He had other incidents that led to this as well. Him and his friends showing up to threaten a dude at the mall when his mom got upset at the dude because of something that happened with some shoes. Him beating up a kid at his house playing pickup ball. And him flashing a gun on social media which is against NBA policy. So they have grounds to make that decision. When it comes to this situation, they may not have it written in their policy about this. So they don't have any legal ground to suspend them. Now I'm pretty sure going forward they will add something in because it's not something you probably normally think about and like think of the rules that NBA players have to follow. You're like, uh, this is, you know, a rule that's out there, a law that's out there, it's been out there for a long time. We shouldn't have to talk about that in the NBA world, <laughs> NBA world, but they now do. And these are how new rules and policies come about. Usually it's when something happens. So with Josh Giddy, because there's so much unknown of did he meet her in a nightclub where he would assume she's over 21? Did she lie to him about her, his age? There's reports now that the parents aren't aren't coming forward to help out the investigation. So there's so much going on here and there's so much gray area that it will be foolish of the people on the big time networks to come forward and say Josh Giddey should be locked up or this is blasphemous or the NBA should do this. That's the third one is the only one they can really speak on. If they feel like the NBA should sit him and maybe they can suspend him with pay or something of that nature. Okay, I can see that. But if I was the commissioner, I don't know how I would approach it. A lot of people are saying things like it's an easy decision when there's so much that goes into it. Again, if Josh Giddy is found completely innocent and it was, you know, the girl who lied to him and he didn't he really didn't know, then it's gonna look wrong on their part to make him sit, to do these things to him. If it comes out after the investigation that he really did not know. 
Again, I'm not giving him any bail. It's if he did know it's disgusting, he should be locked up. But if he didn't know, which can happen, it can happen. Like you may not know. That can happen. Then what do you do? Right? What do you do then? So it's something that I think people should give the Stephen A. Smiths and the Malika Andrews and anybody else that they find not doing the amount of coverage that they want on this. Give them a little leeway because they can be sued. Stephen A. came out and said, yo, we can be sued for saying the wrong thing about this because it's very serious. Like this is not your normal. Oh, he's going to get suspended for a amount of time. Like he could go to jail for a long time career done life changed forever like this is that serious so it isn't something that you rush into to give a definite opinion now because I own this podcast I can say what I want in this podcast and if you choose not to listen that's fine but it's not going to ruin my career at the end of the day and I'm not gonna say anything on here that ruins my other jobs as well but is something where I have the freedom to speak on it. I'm the producer. I'm the editor. It's a one-man show, so I can do what I want to do on this podcast without worrying about much repercussion, unless where it gets back to, again, my other employer. But the freedom I have on here is not the same as the freedom other people have on their platforms. They have less freedom on bigger platforms because there's more at stake. Now, one day I'll be there where I have more at stake and there's more people watching and I may have to watch my words. I can't guarantee that I'll be the same real deal Damian Adams on something else. I'll still bring it to you real. I'll still bring it to you raw. But, you know, I may have to just cook it up a bit differently because of that. It comes with that. On my other shows where I have an employer, where I have bosses, I can't say the same things I say on here. That's real. So we're going to go ahead and take our first music break. When we come back, talk about some fun stuff. Talk about some fun basketball stuff, some fun football stuff, some fun boxing stuff. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damien Adams. Hopefully you enjoyed that music break. Hopefully it caught you off guard the same way it caught me off guard. So I stumbled upon that song. That song is called I Got Summer On My Mind by Lewis Hanton. And the way I stumbled upon it was I was listening to Tom's Diner for some reason. Tom's Diner is the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-
You know, it's something that, you know, we have access to, but we're not going to get straight up answers on that because they're going to keep it close to the vest. And you definitely have to keep your eye out and see if this team will be one of those teams that fall out of this West because the West is super deep. Speaking of how deep it is, number six, you have Sacramento at 10 and 7. At 7, you have the Lakers at 11 and 8. At number 8, you have the Pelicans at 10 and 9, who are getting healthy right now. Larry Nance is out, but you got CJ McCollum back. It was announced today that Trey Murphy is going to be back. Like this, whew, this Pelicans team is dangerous. Zion's looking like Zion again. Brandon Ingram's been out here balling. They're, they're going to be scary. I can see this team going on a pretty long win streak here pretty soon. And we're going to get into it. But in season tournament, they're going to be one to watch. At number nine, we got the Rockets. Now, the Rockets were my surprise team coming into the year. I thought, okay, this team can make it into the play-in because of the coach of Ime Yadoka, the veteran leadership of Jeff Green, Fred Van Vliet, and also Dylan Brooks. You have players like uh, Singoon, who was balling out. Jalen Green doing his thing. Like uh, Jabari Smith Jr. is good. Like They have a team. A team. It's a real team that they can really make some noise here. The Clippers are at the 10th spot right now at 8 and 9. They're still trying to figure it out. I think Ty Lue's a good coach, but he hasn't made the best coaching decisions. Uh, one that stands out to me is when he was playing against the Nuggets. Not this last time where Reggie Jackson and DeAndre Jordan went off. Craziness. But the time before that, they're playing against them and the Cody Oak just playing. And they go small to, to end the game where you're asking Kawhi, Paul George, and others to try to guard Nikola Jokic. What are you doing? You got a double. He's a good passer. He's going to make the right decisions. If you don't double, he's going to work. Barbecue chicken. So I feel like Ty Lue's, you know, trying to figure it out, but he hasn't done a great job of that. And James Harden, the fact that he's on a team that's below 500 and the Philadelphia 76ers are balling on the East Coast does not look good for him. Speaking of not looking good, the Golden State Warriors. Yo. <laughs> Right now at the 11th spot, 8 and 10, uh, they're still trying to figure it out. Steve Kerr believes in them. He believes they can still be a good team. Uh, he said that to me when I asked him about Draymond Green. So last week we went to the game. If you're not familiar, I work with Burn City Sports. We cover the Phoenix Suns, Cardinals, everything Phoenix Sports. So part of my job is going to the Suns games. And I was doing the away team press conference for this game, and I got to speak to Steve Kerr. I asked her about the specific impact of not having Draymond Green out there. And he talked about how Draymond Green brings the energy and how he didn't have the energy against the Suns. But he also said that he believes in this team going forward because of the starting lineup, because of what they've been able to do. The thing is, you can't live on what you did. You got to do it. And outside of Steph Curry, no one else is doing it right now. You double down on a veteran team. And you got even older by adding 38-year-old Chris Paul. I just don't see where that makes sense. I don't know if they're going to be able to recover. And plus, in the Western Conference, it's going to be tough. Because the teams above them, Pelicans, Rockets, Clippers, all look like they're better than them. The Lakers are better than them. The Kings may be better than them. Like, the Suns. We all know OKC, the top teams are better than them. So will Golden State be able to recover to even get in there? That's going to be it's gonna be tough. 
Uh, the other teams at the bottom of the West, you got the Jazz, Trailblazers, Grizzlies, Spurs. Uh, the Grizzlies, I expected to struggle. I said that coming into this year, especially after Stephen Adams got hurt. We saw last year how big Stephen Adams was to this team. The fact that he's out this entire season. No John Morant for another, what, seven games? You still got to worry about that. Like, they are in a deep hole to where I don't think John Morant's going to be able to pull him out. So the big story in the West is, can the Warriors get into the playoffs? And if they get in, who are they going to knock out? If the Pelicans could stay healthy, I don't think it's going to be them. The Rockets seem like the most likely candidate to fall out if the Warriors start to find their footing. Let's talk about the East Coast. So at the one seed, you got the Celtics. That's no surprise. Out here balling. Their defense is amazing. But that's what we expected. When you add Drew Holiday to an already good defensive team, you got the rim protection of Chris Esprzingis. You got Al Horford out there, who's still a good defender. You know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown defend. Like this team, Derek White's a good defender. Like this team is loaded and can do it on both ends. The Magic at the two seed. That's the big surprise. I thought the Magic would be better. That was one of my calls coming into the year. I wrote an article for Burn City Sports giving my bold predictions. I said that Orlando would be good this year and they would make the playoffs. Did not think they would have the second best record in the Eastern Conference so far. Uh, they are definitely doing it. Winners of eight in a row right now, like uh, Paolo Banchero, or Bancaro, excuse me, Franz Wagner, Cole Anthony, uh, Markel Fultz when he was playing. Hopefully he's back. This team has been absolutely killing it, man. They have depth at all the spots. You got two stars. They're playing defense. You have all the components of a good team where this is going to last. Like, they're going to be a team that disrupts what we thought the standings would be. At the third spot, we have the Bucks. The Bucks are winning, and it's kind of going under the radar because their defense isn't as good as it was. And we expect their defense to struggle a bit, but they're starting to find their footing. Dame is starting to find his footing. This team is going to be there when it's all said and done. The 76ers, they're really good. Joel Embiid is playing at an MVP level again. They have the most improved player <laughs> in Tyrese Maxey. So speaking of most improved player, my pick going into this year was Jordan Poole. I've never been so wrong on a pick so fast. Like Jordan Poole, not only is he not most improved, he may be most regressed. Like that may be, <laughs> they may have to make an award for that. The most regressed player, that would be Jordan Poole. Like the comedy that he provides with the plays. And I haven't watched the Wizards game. This is all stuff that gets shared on Twitter and social media that I'm seeing. I'm not going to waste my time watching the Wizards game unless they're playing against the Pelicans or the Suns, of course. But I'm not going to do that. I get paid to watch the Suns. I love the Pelicans, so that's the only time I would watch them. But outside of that, I'm not going to watch no Wizards game. For what? All the comedy gets put on Twitter anyway. <laughs> and like I said... You're going to miss sometimes, and I definitely miss with that one on Jordan Poole. But back to the 76ers, well-balanced team. Nick Nurse is doing a good job. They are going to be a team that maybe this is the year they make it past the second round. They haven't made it past the second round since 2001. That was the famous AI finals year. Let's see if they can continue this. At the 5 seed, we got the Knicks at 10-7. and seven. The Knicks are weird because they're a good team, but Julius Randle hasn't been good yet. Uh, we all know Jalen Brunson is a monster. I like their depth. But I just don't trust them. Just don't trust them. Indiana at 9-7. and seven. Yo, Tyrese Halliburton, MVP candidate. 
Like he's balling out of control this year. Efficiency wise, assist wise, just running the show, doing everything. This team is for real. Their offense, <laughs> they don't play on defense, but their offense, you got to show up every night. 128 points per game? Like, who does that? What? Even in an inflated scoring year, that's crazy. Crazy. At the sixth spot, we got the Heat, or seventh spot, excuse me, we got the Heat at 10 and 8. Cavs are also 10 and 8 right there. You got the Nets at 9 and 8. The Raptors at 9 and 10. And then right below them, you have the Atlanta Hawks, the Hornets, Bulls, Wizards, and Pistons. Yeah, man. So the East, hopefully Orlando can keep this up and really shock us because we thought it was going to be a two-team race. But right now, you got four legit teams at the top right now between the Celtics, Magic, Bucks, and 76ers. So hopefully the East can continue to surprise us and be more competitive than we thought. So now let's get into the in-season tournament, close out my NBA segment. So the in-season tournament, we have finished the uh, round robin of games, and now it's time to get to the quarterfinals. And let me get to the actual bracket here. So on the West, we have the Lakers versus the Suns. The Lakers will be at home. They're the one seed in this. And then you have the Kings and Pelicans as your two and three seeds. For the East, you have the Bucks and Knicks. And then you have the Pacers and Celtics. I like all these matchups. All these matchups are good matchups. Lakers and Suns. The Lakers have already beat the Suns twice this year. And now the Suns are dealing with an injury with Devin Booker. Hopefully he's back for this game, but we don't know. If Devin Booker's not playing... But the Lakers, they're going to win. They just know how to beat this Lakers team. And LeBron even joked about how he knows Frank Vogel's signals. So I don't see how the Suns can score consistently without Devin Booker against this Lakers team. Kings Pelicans. The Kings are a very good team. But they do not have a matchup for Zion. We've seen it this year. They played against him twice. The Pelicans in both games dominated offensively because... They don't have rim protection. So you think about Jonas Valachunas, likes to work inside, easy work. Zion likes to work inside, easy work. Brandon Ingram can score from wherever, but he can get inside, easy work. And now you're bringing back Trey Murphy. You're bringing back CJ McCollum. Give me the Pelicans there. If the Pelicans play the Lakers in Vegas, I like the Pelicans in that game. Um, not just being a homer, but I like the Pelicans because of their versatility in scoring. And the Lakers, outside of LeBron, haven't been consistent. AD has not been consistent. You just don't know what you're going to get from night in, night in, night out. On the east side, Bucks, <clears throat> excuse me, Bucks and Knicks, I'm going Bucks. Just too much firepower between Dane, Giannis, Chris Middleton. For Pacers-Celtics, this is a really good one. Really good game. I'm going to go Celtics in that one, but that's going to be a good one. Bucks-Celtics, give me the Celtics. So I'm going to go Pelicans-Celtics in the championship game. And the Celtics do have Pelicans number, so I'm going to go to the Celtics to win in the championship game of the in-season tournament. But damn, I already said the Pelicans was my victory pick. So damn it, yeah, give me the Pelicans, man. Give me the Pelicans, I'm going to put a bet on it. Give me the Pelicans over the Celtics in the championship game. It's going to be tough, but I like our scoring, I like our defense. So Pelicans win the in-season tournament, you heard it here first. Gonna take a quick music break and be right back. Let's talk some boxing. Hot, hot, hot. 
nobody tripping. And if I ever fall off, everybody go miss it. Hey, hey, I'm sitting in the dark room thinking, probably why I always end up drinking. Yes, I'm very depressed. How can somebody so blessed wanna slip they wrist? Shit, I probably bleed out some pinot. When they find me, I'm in Valentino. Hey, you pouring me shots, thinking it's lit. Ha, little did he know. Proceed to press. I'm about to strip him. Yeah, pinos round his neck. But this ain't domestic. Hey, think it's going down. When you acted like you ain't no I was trippin', going crazy And they low-key hate, so they ain't gon' say shit Damn, I finally see it. I'm killing myself when bitches are die to be me This pussy depressed, hmm, I'm about to stress him Yeah, a pink nails round his neck, huh But this ain't domestic, ayy Think it's going down, huh Now he stand corrected, ayy This pussy depressed, hmm, I'm about to stress him Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Let's get into a little boxing. So last weekend we had David Benavidez versus Demetrius Andrade. I was very excited for this fight. And I thought it was going to be a longer fight than it was. But David Benavidez was able to defeat Demetrius Andrade via six-round TKO. Andrade didn't come out of the corner. I don't know what you know specific injury he had or he just was beat up at that point. Because the fifth and sixth round he just took a beating. Fourth round, the pressure started to get to him from David Benavidez, and David Benavidez knocked him down with a nasty right hand where you saw the lights go out in his eyes. You saw the lights go out in Andrade's eyes at that moment. So, and he just never recovered, right? And Benavidez, that's what he's good at. He's good at downloading data, taking your best shots, and continue to come forward. That's why he's the monster, right? And now the question is, what's next? For David Benavidez. It should be Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez said that he wanted the other people at 168 to fight each other. The ones who are all trying to get to him, all trying to get that payday. He was like, why don't you guys fight each other? That would be good fights. He was right. That was a good call by him. Since then, David Benavidez has defeated Caleb Plant, who was a former champion who Canelo beat, and Demetrius Andrade, who was somebody who was calling out Canelo for a long time. And for Andrade, I feel like he got his big opportunity a little too late. I'm not trying to make any excuses for him. David Benavidez probably beats Andrade at any point in his career. But the fact that he didn't get his pay-per-view fight until he was 35 is a shame. When he was at middleweight, 
or even at 154, why didn't he get the big fights then? He was a champion in both weight classes. Someone like Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. Why didn't him and Andrade fight prior to this? Why didn't Triple G want that belt? Why not try to be undisputed? Now, of course, Gennady Golovkin is going to go down as one of the greatest middleweight champions of all time. So it's not going to affect his legacy at all. But that's something that stands out. The fact that Golovkin never fought against Andre Ward. Something that stands out. He didn't want to fight. Seems like these really slick guys that also had power with them. Now, with Canelo, Canelo's legacy is set. But if he does not fight David Benavidez, that is something that you can point to when you talk about ranking him all time. Because that's where he's at now. He's in a point in his career where he's already being ranked against all-timers. He's no longer being compared to his contemporaries because he has so much on his resume. His resume is the best in boxing. He's not the top pound-for-pound guy anymore because that belongs to Terrence Crawford or Naui Inoue, depending on your preference. You can go 1A, 1B like I do there. He's more, you know, 4, 5, 6, somewhere in that range. But as far as his career goes, his resume is the best of anyone right now. So that's already established. It's about comparing you to the all-time greats. What does his resume stack up to the others who have been around middleweight, super middleweight? He started at welterweight, right? So the fact that he started there, was able to climb all the way up to get a belt at 175, even though I always make the joke, he didn't beat the crusher, right? Sergey Kovalev, a.k.a. the crusher. Andre Ward beat the crusher. Canelo beat some dude named Sergey. That's just how it is, right? But he still has that on his belt. He still has that legacy. So now, you want to add names to your legacy, right? Being able to beat Jamel Charlo the way he did is impressive. That's something that's going to be on your legacy. Like, oh, I beat a dude who was undisputed who came up to fight me. Now, even though Jamel came up with two weight classes, it still looks good on his resume to say that I beat an undisputed champion in his prime. But now, you got somebody stalking you down. You got somebody hunting you down like Jason or like Michael Myers where they're just walking and slowly catching up to you. And you know it's inevitable. Now, he can try to avoid it by going up to 175 and saying he wants to stay there. But if he goes up to 175, there's another monster there that he hasn't beaten in Demetri Baval. There's another monster there in Arthur Bediev. 175 ain't no joke. There's no, not really an old guy, even though, you know, Bediev is no spring chicken. There's no old guy like Sergey Kovalev to go get a bell from. So where does he go? Now the rumors are he's going to fight against Jaime Mugia. If Canelo Alvarez fights Jaime Mugia to avoid David Benavidez, you got to look at him differently. For me, personally, that would knock him down a bit. Because, dog, you're supposed to be the dude who takes on everybody. You don't care who it is. You want to take on the best of the best, and you want to beat the best of the best.
Because it's not about the money at this point. You've made just a crazy amount of money, Canelo. And you're going to make a crazy amount of money no matter who you fight. But the fight against David Benavidez would be stupid money. Like, it'll be the type of money where if you pass it up to fight somebody who is lesser than, you really are ducking. Quack, quack. Like, it's full-on duck season if you do that. So if he does take on Jaime Magia, hopefully that rumor isn't true because Jaime Magia has done nothing, nothing to earn a fight against Canelo. Jaime Magia is undefeated, pretty record, looks nice. But he's avoided all of the big fights. Demetrius Andrade, didn't fight him. Didn't fight Triple G. He's been able to, I think he was a world champion at 154. But since then, he hasn't been a world champion in any other weight class. He has some good wins, but his good wins are over fighters who have passed their prime or fighters who are known as gatekeepers, right? His, one of his biggest wins is over Gabe Rosado. That's a tough dude, but it's not one that you point to like, oh, I beat Gabe Rosado. Gabe Rosado has like 13, 14 losses. You don't point to that and say, oh, that's the guy I beat. Sergey Devonchenko. I thought Devonchenko won that fight. A lot of people agree with me. It was a war. Fight of the year candidate for sure. But that doesn't earn you Canelo. It doesn't. So when you talk about the fact that David Benavidez has done everything that he's supposed to do to get a Canelo fight. And the rumor is Canelo's going to take on Javi Magia. Now, that would be a high action fight. It'll be good in a vacuum. It'll be very entertaining because Javi Magia only knows one way to fight. He's going to go offensive and he's going to try to take Canelo out. Canelo's most likely going to take him out. That's what's going to happen. Canelo's probably going to knock him out. Because Jaime Gill is just not good on defense. But it will be exciting while it lasts. Right? But honestly, Jaime Gill should take on Edgar Berlanga. Win that fight. And then fight somebody else. A real champion at 160 or 168. And then get Canelo maybe. If Canelo still fighting at that point. But Canelo, David Benavidez is it. David Benavidez... In the article I wrote about what's next for him, I said if Canelo avoids him, then Jaime Magia could be a good option because that's a good action fight. I believe David Benavidez would be Jaime Magia as well. Another fight that's there is David Morrell. David Morrell is somebody who's only 9 and 0, but his amateur background put him on the fast track. He's already beating guys who are with very good records like 26 and 1 and 14 and 0. Like he's fighting good guys. And he looks very good. Looks almost unbeatable at this point so there are some options there but Canelo versus him is what's it now what's going forward here December is a big month for boxing uh, tomorrow or on Saturday excuse me we have Ryan Garcia against Oscar Duarte uh, Ryan Garcia you know looking to bounce back after the tank defeat is he still hungry after making that money in the tank fight made a lot of money that night is the old saying of when you sleep on silk sheets it's hard to get up is that true for Ryan Garcia? We're going to see. Because the Ortez is no joke. 
December 9th, we have Regis Prograve versus Devin Haney. I'll definitely do a preview breakdown of that fight next week and also a recap after it's over, but that's a good one. Some people were surprised about like Devin Haney you know, giving up his titles. There's no way he's going to go back to 135. No way. Like It was hard for him to make 135, and now he's had a taste of not having to cut that much weight. No way he's going back down. Young man, too, has grown into his man body, as I call it. Gonna be hard for him to cut weight at 140, let alone 135. Uh, later on this month, we had the big, huge card where Demetri Bavall's on the undercard, where the two main events are Anthony Joshua versus Otto Wallen, and also Joseph Parker versus Deontay Wilder. And of course, this is setting up for Joshua and Wilder to fight each other next year. Great, great card. I love it. And this is the zone really doing big things. And speaking of like the platforms, the Benavidez Andrade fight was the last fight on Showtime, the last card on Showtime pay per view. So we're no longer going to have HBO boxing, no longer Showtime boxing. The whole boxing landscape has changed. It's rumored that Amazon Prime is going to get PBC. I like that move though. I like that move for PBC because you're going to a platform that's not afraid to spend some money. You can continue to put on the great cards you put on because the cards you put on for Benavidez Andra was a very good card. Very good card. And we need that in boxing. We need to where it's not just the main event. UFC, for those cards, you're usually excited about two or three fights, sometimes even more than that. You have to make it that way for boxing as well. And you're getting that with the kind of the kind of card that they have for Benavidez Andrade. And you're also getting that on December 23rd with that major card. So I love what boxing is doing this year. And, you know, sometimes people say boxing has died or is dying, is far from that. And people need to open their eyes about that. Like, this year, 2023, has been a great year for boxing, and it's still not over with December having all these fights. you got to love it. So I can't wait to break down Haney and Pearl Gray next week. We'll have to wait and see for that one. But hey, Canelo, we need you to go ahead and make that announcement. May, Benavidez Canelo, make it happen. If not, got to give you the side eye. got to look at you a little differently after that. So we're going to take our last music break. Come back, I'll make my football picks for this weekend, all right? We'll be right back. I'm vanilla, baby. I'll choke you, but I ain't no killer, baby. She 28, telling me I'm still a baby. I get love in Detroit like Skiller, baby. And the thing about your boy is... I don't like no whips and chains, and you can't tell me down. J-A-C-K-A-K-A Rico like Suave Young Enrique Speaking at A-K-A She's an alpha But not around your boy She be quiet around your boy Hold on Don't know what you heard Or what you thought about your boy But they lied about your boy Going dumb And it's something idiotic About your boy She wearing cheetah print That's how bad She won't be spotted Around your boy I don't like no whips and chains And you can't tie me down But you can whip your love on me Baby Whip your love on me I'm vanilla baby I'll choke you But I ain't no killer baby 28 telling me I'm still a baby. I get love in Detroit like Skiller, baby. And the thing about your boy is, I don't make no whips and chains, and you can't tie me down. But you can whip your loving on me, whip your loving on me. Young M I S 
S I O N A R Y. He sharp like barbed wire. She stole my heart, then she got archived. I keep it short with a bitch, Lord Farquaad. All the girls in the front row. All the girls in the barricade. All the girls have been waiting all day. Let your tongue hang out, fuck everything. If you came with a man, let go of his hand. Everybody in the suite kicking up their feet. Stand up, bitch, dance. And all the guys in the back waiting on the next track Cut your boy a little slack Sam Jack I'm vanilla baby I'll choke you but I ain't no killer baby She 28 telling me I'm still a baby I get love in Detroit like Skiller baby And the thing about your boy is I don't like no whips and chains And you can't tell me down But you can whip your loving on me That's right, that's right Whip your loving on me Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damien Adams. Hopefully you enjoyed that music break. That's my jam right there. I can't lie. I be jamming to that one right there. My man did his thing on that one. So now let's get into NFL Week 13. Tonight we got Seattle at Dallas. Give me Dallas easily, like 35 to 13. And you're going to listen to this podcast after that game, so I may look crazy on that one. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, we got Colts. Titans, give me the Colts in that one. It's hilarious, man, uh, because I follow my guy, uh, Chris Lewis, host of one of the hosts of the Sports After Dark podcast with him and Ashley Baker and Young Heavy. Uh, because I follow him, I get these other stuff from Colts fans, and the <laughs> Gardner Minshew hate is so funny. It's real. It's needed because Gardner Minshew isn't good. Watching the Colts play, he's not good at all. But somehow they're winning. They're doing it. I think they're going to beat the Titans as well. Falcons, Jets. Uh, is Aaron Rodgers going to play? Like Aaron Rodgers out here practicing and whatnot, but I doubt he plays on Sunday. Uh, so give me the Falcons in that one. Lions, Saints. Got to go Lions. My Saints. Yo, Derek Carr just isn't cutting it. The Saints can't score in the red zone. They're only scoring touchdowns on 42% of their red zone possessions. Last week, scored 15 points against the Falcons, all field goals. Derek Carr threw a huge pick six. Huge pick six in the red zone. Taysom Hill fumbled. That's the difference. Those two possessions in the red zone, we turned the ball over. Once turned over for a touchdown. That's the difference in the game. And that's the difference in us not leading the division. We're five and six. We're in second place behind. The Falcons were also 5-6, and six, but have the tiebreaker because of that game. Uh, I think the Lions bounce back in this one. I think it's closer than people think because the Saints defense will keep them in it. And the Lions defense isn't that good. So the Saints may be able to actually get in the end zone this game. So give me Lions 28-24. Broncos-Texans. This is a good game. The Broncos have turned it around. It looks like Sean Payton's recovered his coaching genius and has been able to turn it around for them. This is a tough one. I'm going to go Broncos in this one. 24-21 Broncos. Uh, Chargers-Patriots. Give me the Chargers because the Patriots stink. Cardinals-Steelers. Give me the Steelers in this one. The Cardinals are just not good. And offensively, they struggle going against that Steelers defense. And I have to watch this game. That's what I hate. I hate I have to watch this game. But it's part of the job. Uh, Dolphins, Commanders, Dolphins, easy. 
Panthers, Buccaneers. Uh, give me the Bucks in that one. 49ers, Eagles, game of the week. Give me the 49ers, 28-17 over the Eagles. I think that the 49ers this year are a better team when healthy, and they are healthy right now. Uh, the Eagles are very good. Don't get me wrong. You don't get to 10-1 without being a very good team. But 49ers with all those weapons, they're going to be hungry for revenge after what happened last year when Brock Purdy got hurt in the NFC Championship game. So like the 49ers in this one, I think the Eagles offense hasn't been as dynamic as they were last year. So I think 49ers defense will be able to lock them up a little bit. Uh, Browns, Ravens, give me the uh, – oh, Browns, Rams, excuse me. Give me the Rams in that one. The Browns maybe starting Joe Flacco. Ugh. It just it's a hard situation right there for the Browns. Uh, Chiefs, Packers, give me the Chiefs in that one. Going to be interesting to see. I was listening to the Meaning Kinds podcast, and they were talking about how this is a real big game for Jordan Love because last year in the one game he started against the Chiefs, he was horrible. And the Chiefs just blitzed him the whole time. So it's really going to show how much he's grown as a quarterback in this game. So look, we'll be watching for that one. Uh, the Monday night game is Bengals-Jaguars. Ah, I hate that. Uh, this was one of my matches going into the year. You guys who listen to the podcast on the regular may remember I did like my biggest season matchups. And this was one of the biggest ones because I thought going into this game, this would be a division, uh, a game between two division leaders, I should say. And it's not because the Bengals started off the year bad and then Joe Burrow got hurt off of the season. So Jacksonville's going to win this game. And Jacksonville is good. Jacksonville's a good team. They got Molly walked a few weeks ago by the 70, 76ers. The 49ers, excuse me. But they are a good squad. The NFL's been kind of weird this year because AFC-wise, don't really have any dominant teams. Uh, the Eagles have been dominant, but haven't been flashy in their dominance. So you don't really have, like, a favorite you can point to. Even when it comes to MVP, it's like, is Dak Prescott really going to be MVP? Jalen Hurts, does he have the stats to be MVP? Patrick Mahomes is definitely carrying the Chiefs offensively without any weapons outside of Travis Kelsey, but... Because his stats aren't what they normally are, he's not going to be MVP this year. So do you give it to like a Tyreek Hill or a Miles Garrett, someone like that, because this year has been a weird year in football? But it's a short last segment. I just want to do my picks real quick and throw those out there. And we'll get back to doing this on a regular basis so you can get my picks and get more takes and I'll get more guests on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Please let me know. And until next time, go real or go home.